Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him. They were drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. So Jesus, so he told them a parable. A, ter- a parable was an earthly story that Jesus would lay up, lay, lay up against or next to godly principles that he wanted them to understand. It's the way that he communicated. So Jesus tells them a parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country? And go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more rejoicing, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the ninety-nine righteous persons who is in need, no need of repentance. Or what woman... Having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek it diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, There's a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property, his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went... Uh, So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but he was still a long ways off. And his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and let us celebrate. For this, son, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to celebrate. Let's pray together. Father, we just pause right now. And Lord, we ask you to communicate your words to the depths of our soul. Father, I know that there's probably none other, other text that I preach on that brings quite as much emotion as this text. So I pray for the parents of prodigals, 
that you would help them to not see this text and not see your word through emotion and through hurt and through pain. And Father, I pray for the prodigal. That you would minister to them in this moment. And that, Father, they would be able to see the depths of your love and your care for them. And, Father, I humbly ask you that you would help me to properly communicate your word to people that you love, to people that you care about. If there is anything in my notes that you do not want want said, may it be taken from my mind, and may I communicate directly what you'd have me say to your children. Father, we just ask that you'd just speak to us now for we're listening and we need to hear from you just like we need to hear every time we gather together. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. They tell you when you learn to communicate and in classes on communication that one, you've got to know your audience and the second thing is you've got to know who you're speaking to. And so today, I know my audience. I've been with you guys for many years. We've done life together. We've served alongside of each other. We've been in a faith family together. I know you. But today, in this last week, as I was preparing this message, I was really conflicted. Who am I speaking to? Am I speaking to maybe parents of prodigals? Am I speaking to prodigals? Am I speaking to prodigals who have returned to try to give them a sense of understanding of the Scripture and what God says to them? And... And I came away with this. I'm speaking to all. Because I believe his word speaks to all. There are principles in there for all of us, whether you're a parent of a prodigal, whether you're a prodigal, whether you've been a prodigal. And so this morning, Jesus tells three stories. There are three stories with, with four, with four um, silver threads, if you will, that run through them. As Jesus begins communicating a, pr- a principle to these that he's speaking to, and as he communicates to us, you see, when people go off the track and into the ditches or off the guardrails, however you want to phrase that, there are four things that happen in the life of a prodigal. There are four things that take place. The first one is this. There is a lost possession. You see this in all four of these, all three of these stories, that you see this lost possession that, that happens when you look at the sheep in verse 4. How does a sheep get lost? I mean, well, some tell you that, that sheep are like the dumbest animals in the world. Uh, I think my dog is, but... But they, shepherds tell us that, that they came into this world just looking for a place to die. I mean, sheep have no defense mechanism. They, they, and shepherds will tell you that the way that sheep get lost is this. They become oblivious to their surroundings. In other words, they're oblivious to where the shepherd is leading them. They're oblivious to the herd. They're oblivious to the dogs that usually run the sheep and try to keep them in a herd. And what shepherds will tell you, when sheep get lost, the way that they get lost is they're just oblivious to the shepherd and and everything else that's going on. And their head is down, and they just begin grazing, and they take one foot in front of the other. And at one point, they look up, and they realize, how did I get here? That's how some prodigals get lost. That's how some, they just kind of wandered away. 
church no longer became a priority. Worship no longer really became a priority in their life. And they started taking one step farther and farther away to where they got to the point that they don't even realize how they got there. You wouldn't believe the number of testimonies that we have in this church when people re-enter church or when they come back to church after being out of church for many years will tell us that, you know what? I don't know what happened. I don't know why I quit going. I don't know why it was no longer a priority in my life. I don't know how I got there, but I didn't like the place in the person that I was. A coin. How's a coin get lost? You see, there's some cultural things about this. These ten coins, these ten silver coins, they, were, they would place them, a woman would place them in a headdress. See, it was really critical because it was, it was a reflection or it was letting people know that she's married. I mean, it was much like the wedding ring of our day. And all of a sudden, she must have either dropped the, 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 the headdress or it broke or whatever, and nine coins fell, and they laid flat. But one coin, one coin rolled away. And see, in our culture, we don't understand this, but this was a tragedy. This was a horrible set of circumstances for this woman because when a woman had coins missing out of her headdress in their culture, it meant that she broke intimacy with her husband. It meant that the relationship was, was in jeopardy, if you will. This was a tragedy. And there are some prodigals that, you know what, they just didn't wander off. Church was no longer a priority to them. They didn't deal with any of those issues. But there was, there was a set of tragic circumstances in their life where there was health issues, where there was challenges with relationships, where there was issues with friends, where there was economy, where there was something that, that was just so tragic that they questioned God's love for them, God's protection for them. And they walked away. And as a result, they didn't really any longer have intimacy with God. They no longer could hear from them like they once could. They no longer knew that he was there with them like he once was. The son. How did the son get lost? It was his willful choice. See, most prodigals are so self-centered that they're oblivious to all the hurt and the pain that their actions are causing to a mom or to a dad or to brothers or to sisters all they care about is themselves. All they, and that was his son. Just give me what is mine. Just give me my property. Just give me my stuff. And he only cared about himself. It was... Life was all about him. It was his choice in, in life. When, whenever we follow the sinful desires, whenever we follow the flesh, it never ends well for us. And so when you're a prodigal, in the life of a prodigal, there is always a lost possession, but there is also a lonely place. Man, prodigals know this. If you've ever been a prodigal, if you've ever been around a prodigal, if you've ever talked to a prodigal, you know that there's this issue of isolation because, because what happens, it brings isolation and it brings loneliness. But I'm going to tell you, loneliness brings three sisters with it. The sheep, insecurity. The sheep no longer had the security of the protection of a shepherd and the protection of the dogs that ran the herd. 
You see, a sheep, no defense mechanism. I mean, like, what are they going to do? Gnaw something to death? I mean, a sheep has no defense mechanism. Without the shepherd, without the herd, without the dogs, there, there's no security. A prodigal, when a prodigal ends up in the ditches or off the guardrails or whatever you want to say, they no longer have the security in life that they once had. Fact is, a lot of them deal with a lot of insecurities in life, of the love and the protection and everything else. The coin. The coin had no purpose. Fact is, apart from the headdress, that silver coin in their culture had no purpose, no meaning, no value. You couldn't spend it, you couldn't use it, it was worthless. A lot of prodigals, when they deal with isolation, they not only deal with insecurity, but they, you'll hear them talk about life has no meaning. Life has no purpose. And they just kind of wander through life with difficulty and hurt and pain because, and I'm telling you, apart from an intimate relationship to God, Life has no purpose and no meaning until you understand that he has a purpose and a plan for your, for your life. The son. The son had emotional pain. The son had deep emotional pain that he dealt with and and his life, fact is, when you, when you walk through the story, and as, as I just read, and you can, you can read it again and, and walk through it on your own as well, but you realize that most of the parable, most of the story, the son is lamenting over his decisions, his poor choices, the decisions that he made. And then he begins to talk to himself and have like this dialogue or this conversation with a dad as far as what am I going to tell dad and what will I say to dad and how will, how will dad respond and maybe that's where you are today maybe maybe you're dealing with insecurity and you really have no security in life because of the relationship that you don't have a God maybe you don't have a sense of purpose in your life or Maybe you're dealing with a lot of emotional pain in your life. And life for you is like this ship in a that's adrift in this raging storm, and you you're being beaten back and forth, and you feel like your life is just totally out of control. Can I tell you? God cares for you more than you will ever know. God loves you deeper than you will ever know. I believe with all of my heart that if a parable, uh, I'm sorry, if a prodigal could ever grab hold of how much a mom and a dad loved them, but more than that, how much God in heaven loves them and cares for them, 
they would make huge changes in their life. And God cares for you deeply. The third thing is this, is that in all of these stories, there is an aggressive seeker. I mean, you find this in all of these stories that all of them who were lost, there was this aggressive seeker. You have a shepherd who, who left the 99 to go and search for, for the one. You see, the, the land in, in Israel was kind of difficult. There wasn't a lot of places where they could graze their, their sheep, if you will. In fact, is the places that they had to choose from, they were kind of long and narrow. And on the, the borders of that land were, were, were sheer drop-offs or, or sheer cliffs. And so when a, when a, when a sheep would wander away, many times they would just stumble off a cliff and, and die. But a shepherd was responsible for the sheep. Fact is, in their culture, a shepherd was responsible that even if a sheep wandered and died, they were required to bring the fleece back to the owner to prove that they had searched for the sheep. Fact is, a shepherd would lay his life down for the sheep. Much like our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, laid his life down for, for us. In the instance with the lost coin, you had a, a frantic wife that was searching in her house, and her homes in those days weren't lit much like our day. And so a home was small, and they had about an 18-inch window that very, much, very little light would even penetrate into the house. The floor was not carpeted or tile or anything like that. It was a beaten down dirt floor, and then many times they would bring straw in or hay in, and they would, would cover the floor. It was literally like looking for a needle in a haystack. And what required of this, fa- uh, this frantic wife to, to search and to find this lost coin was lighting a lamp. I mean, she couldn't even sleep. And then it took her removing the, the straw out of the, out of the house until she found the, the lost coin. And can I tell you this? God frantically searches for us. And in his search, may have been a Christian friend that he's placed around you, may have been a Christian dad or Christian mom. It may have been a set of circumstances. It may have been a church that reached out to you. It may have been through radio or whatever that God searches for us. I I, I want you to see this. Verse 20, it's just so interesting to me. And so he arose, talking about the prodigal. And so he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran. All these are important. And embraced him and kissed him. Here's just a few things out of this passage. Number one, God cares deeply for you. The scripture says that the father was what? Was filled with compassion. This is a parable that Jesus taught. The father reflected the character of God so that we would know what God is like. And the scripture says that he was filled with compassion, which means he was moved from his innermost spirit, his innermost being. He was moved with compassion that he cared for his son. And it says that he arose and he... And when he was a long ways off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And then it goes on to say, and he ran. In other words, God always takes the first step. God is searching for you. 
And, and, and this, is, this is so culturally unacceptable for this man. This man is of great wealth. This man is of great prominence. And so men in their culture of his stature did not run because, see, they, they, they wore wrong, long robes, right? And so what it required of them to run is a couple of things. One, they had to reach down, grab the robe, and they had pull it up over their knees. A man did not expose his legs in public in their culture. And then he began to run towards his son. I mean, this man was so filled with compassion. He loved his son. He was welcoming his son home. You know what? He didn't care what anybody else thought. He was aggressively searching. He was aggressively seeking for his son. And then it says he threw his arms around him. In other words, there was the picture of when the dad threw his arms around him. It was, you are home. You are no longer insecure. You are protected and you are loved here. You have security here. You have purpose here. You are in a family. You are a part of our family and you are back. And you have no more pain. You have no more emotional pain because I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to guide you and I'm going to protect you. And then he, he kissed him. God wants you to feel loved and wanted all the way through Scripture from Old Testament to New Testament tells us that God is an aggressive seeker of man. All the way through the Old Testament, the Scripture keeps telling us that it is, it is God who draws near to man. God who draws near to man. John chapter 6, verse 44, the Scripture says this. It says, Jesus is talking and Jesus says that no man can come to me, can come to me unless the Father draws him. But something happened in this story between verses 16 and 17. The son, the prodigal, what Scripture tells us, came to his senses. What caused him to change? He quit thinking about his situation, his circumstances, and everything that he had done. And he began to focus on the character of a dad that loved him and was concerned about him. Last thing is this, is there's always a joyful party. Every one of these stories, when, when something is lost and something is found, that there's this celebration and there's this party. And that's why, well, I love our church and I love that when we baptize, you guys just, you know, break out, you hoot, you holler, you celebrate. That there was a joyful party that took place in all these. Verse 6, the shepherds had a celebration. Many times when a sheep was lost and it is found, that they would take it and the whole community would jo join in. And it was a blowout. It was a celebration with the woman that found the lost coin. She had a house party with the, the father that lost his son. Well, he threw a Texas-style barbecue. They smoked everything they had. They smoked brisket. They smoked ribs. They smoked, sm they smoked everything. They had this great celebration. And you know what? This should be the ministry of the local church. His dad didn't ask him, where you been? His dad didn't ask him, what, what have you done? You know what his dad said? Welcome home. Welcome home. And we are glad you're home. We are glad you're found, and we want to celebrate. Man, a church should be a place 
where people can return home and they're just welcomed home. And there's no guilt and there's no judgment. I never ask anyone. They haven't been here for a while or they're just returning to church. Where have you been? When was the last time you were here? It's welcome home. Welcome home. And we're just glad you're here. And when the son came to his senses, there's a few things that we can pull out of this for us this morning is, is if you want to return home, if you want to find in life what you're looking for, the first thing is this, is you've got to honestly evaluate where you are. The scripture says that the son came to his senses. In other words, he, he honestly evaluated where he was. It's interesting about prodigals. Prodigals always talk about, you know, the great friends they have, party and all that other stuff. When his money ran out, when things didn't end well, when he's in trouble, we're his friends. Where's that group of friends that he partied with? Where's that group of friends that said, well, dude, we're with you as long as you can fund our party, as long as you can hang with us? In fact, as the scripture says, that when he was in that pig's pen, no one, not the friends he had partied with, not the friends that he had hung out with, he was in total isolation. No security in life, no purpose in life, no meaning in life, no protection in life. You have to evaluate. You have to come to the place just like the prodigal did, and you have to evaluate where am I? And then you have to make the decision to head home. I want to talk to parents of prodigals just real quick. I just feel I need to say this. A lot of times parents of prodigals carry a lot of guilt and a lot of condemnation. Maybe it's over their actions or something, but, but I want you to know just a couple of things for the parents of prodigals right now. This son was not rejecting dad, and he was not rejecting mom. He was rejecting God. Rejecting God. And the second thing is, when he came to his senses, that was not when they celebrated. That's not when the party started. That's not when the party happened. There are so many parents of prodigals that a child just has to look like, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to make some changes in my life, mom or dad. And then mom and dad, because of guilt and because of condemnation, get behind it and say, let's throw a party, let's celebrate, you're back. And next week, their child is back in the stuff that they once were. That wasn't the time to celebrate. And you know what? If you live like that, you will ride the roller coaster of life with the prodigal. I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better. You've got to honestly evaluate where you are. You've got to decide. You've got to make that decision to head home. But still, even when the prodigal made the decision to head home, that is not when the party happened. And then you have to repent. See, a re repentance is this. Change of mind that leads to a change of action. 
The prodigal changed his mind when he honestly evaluated where he was. When he honestly evaluated where he was and he decided, you know what, here's the speech, here's what I'm going to tell dad. And then he started changing his life when he began heading a different direction. Repentance is this. It is headed one way and realizing, evaluating where you are and say, you know what, if I continue on this path, if I continue walking this way, it is not going to end well for me. I'm going to continue to have pain. I'm going to continue to have insecurity. I'm going to continue to have no purpose in life. I'm going to continue to have no meaning in life. Repentance is this to where you understand I cannot keep headed this way. Change of mind, I got to go a different direction. Repentance is change of direction so you decide to head home. And then there's repentance. Watch this. Verse 18 and 19. So the prodigal's talking to himself. He's come to his senses. I will arise. I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. In other words, like most prodigals believe that, well, when I return, I'll just be a second-class citizen the rest of my life. I can never have God's blessing on my life like I once could. I mean, I'll always have guilt. I'll always have judgment. But I want you to notice what the dad did, verse 21. And so the son said to him, now remember, you got it. You understand that you, he rehearsed his speech over and over and over. He memorized it. But the dad stops him short, doesn't let him say the whole speech. Watch this, verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father didn't let him say, Treat me as a hired servant. Treat me as a second-class Christian. Treat me as a, not really as a son or daughter. We are sons and daughters of him. And it isn't... Even if you say, I am not worthy. When you're in Christ, even if you say, I am not worthy to be called a son or a daughter of God, that does not mean you are not worthy. God's the one that gives that. God's the one that speaks that over your life. And when he speaks that over your life, you or anyone else cannot take that away. This son, this prodigal, never quit being his son. That's the point of this story. And he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father probably had it. and says, this isn't going to go well. I mean, this isn't going to go in a direction that I want it to go. I want my son to understand he is not one of my servants. He is not a second-class citizen. He is my son. But the father said to his servants, bring, the, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, watch this, this my son, not my servant, this my son. He is still my son. Was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he was found. 
And they began to celebrate. Putting the ring and the robe and, and the sandals on his feet has a lot of theological meaning, but what it basically means is you're clothed in Christ, the blood of Christ, you're totally and completely forgiven, and you are my son. And I'm telling you, I am speaking to prodigals that God wants you to come home. No matter what you've done, no matter how far off the rails you've gone, God wants you to return to him. No matter if you were like a sheep and you wandered away, no matter if you're a coin and it was like a tragedy or a deep set of circumstances in your life, or no matter if you were like the sun and it was your willful choice to rebel and walk away, God this morning is pleading with you, is begging with you, come home. Come home. And you know what? I want to be one of the first ones to tell you, welcome home. 